This episode of The Rowing Devices is sponsored by Hover.com. Hover.com is a domain name registry. That's the place you can go to purchase your very own custom domain name for your website. I went there because I wanted to buy their own devices.com, but turns out somebody else already has it. So they gave me over a hundred other options for a close or similar domain name that could work. And I'll share some of those with you later in this episode. Go to hover.com slash TOD if you'd like to purchase a domain name and you'll get 10% off. Have you heard about this magic door that kids use? No, what game is this in? It's not part of a video game. This is real life. Kids walk through this door and all of the rules, restrictions, and limits that parents place on tech suddenly disappear. You may refer to this magical gateway by its more common name, the front door of a friend's house. Hi, I'm Mark Roman, a tech policy expert and former White House advisor on privacy. I'm David Reitman, an adolescent medicine doctor who works with teens. We're also married. To each other. And raising a teenage son of our own. You're listening to Their Own Devices, a parenting podcast with practical advice for the 21st century. Last week's episode was really tech-heavy, so this week we're going to go in the opposite direction. I hear concerns from parents all the time about the fact that they have rules about how social media and games and technology are going to be used in their house, but when their kids leave and go to a friend's house, it's kind of a free-for-all. This question comes up sometimes in my clinic. I hear it at PTA meetings. It comes up in social settings. It also comes off in our house. When our son or like all the friends seem to continuously flock to, I don't know, you know, one friend's house, we all got to wonder, is this the house with the least restrictive rules or maybe no rules where they can get all of the M-rated video games that we don't allow in our home? Or maybe there's a laptop that has no parental controls and no content limitations. This is not anything new. I remember growing up that we would go to the friend's house who had some of the uh, least restrictive rules around snacks, sugar cereals, the coolest new cookies, Twinkies, devil dogs, because at my house, my parents didn't want to buy this stuff. I think that when you kind of think about this, this is a parenting style issue and that, you know, parents can have different rules around technology, just like they had around food. So, like, are you saying that the PS4 is the new Twinkie? Kind of, sort of. Maybe both of them will last for a thousand years after we're all gone. Here's my questions for you, doctor. When our kids are in elementary school or middle school, should we expect that they are mature enough or have the ability to take our rules and our values with them as they go from house to house? I mean, is that a reasonable expectation? For most kids, you know, from the time that they are toddlers through adolescence, there is going to be a constant theme that they're looking to test some limits. And while the stakes get higher as teenagers, they're definitely testing limits and trying to figure things out on their own when they are preteens. So when a parent finds out that the child went to another home, so maybe it's a girl and there are limits on texting or being on Instagram or various kinds of social media— And they go next door, and that's where they create their Finsta account. Should mom and dad be upset? Should we expect it? Should we be surprised? Is this all part of parenting, not just in the digital world, but like as long as time? 
Well, if the parents have discussed with their kid ahead of time that these are firm rules that you are not allowed to do this, period, and the kid breaks the rules, then the parents have to think about consequences. Is it reasonable to expect that they're going to do this? To some degree, developmentally, yes, it is. Does that mean there's, there's going to be no consequences to it if that is a firm and hard rule the parents have with the kids? That does not mean that. There can be consequences, but you know, once again, every family is going to be different in terms of what they expect and the consequences. Well, as you know, as our son knows, and as I think many of our listeners know, as a parent, I have no problem saying no. I just don't believe that devices and smartphones and game consoles are a right. I think they're a privilege. That said, I'm pretty kind of realistic about this particular issue. Don't tell our son that, but that I fully expect when he goes to a friend's house, the rules will be different, and he may actually have an opportunity to test out different games, different consoles. Maybe he will, in fact, use screens longer than he would at home. And if that's the occasional play date, I'm good with it. Right. And also just remembering that kids are supposed to test boundaries, like I was saying before. So if a kid doesn't test boundaries at all, that's almost a little unusual, too. All right. Well, let's bring in our guests. And today we actually have two guests, uh, although they are not in the studio together but they offer very different perspectives, and there's not gonna be agreement here, which I think is a good thing. First up, we have Michael, who is the uh, embarrassing dad who actually does contact other parents before play dates and share his views. Our second guest is Laura Tierney, who is a former social media and advertising director who now works with teens and has a different set of views, but let's bring on Mike. All right. Tell us about your family. So I'm married. I've lived uh, in D.C. for about 15 years. I have a son and a daughter. My son's 13. My daughter's 11. Tell us about how you approach technology in your home. What tech do your kids have? And then what rules do you have? I think we have like a pretty standard amount of tech with a couple of exceptions. My kids both have phones. They got them in the last year or so. Mostly uh, we wanted them to be able to communicate with us when they're you know hanging out with their friends or they want to come home late or they're riding the bus, that kind of thing. But flip phones well, yep. or smartphones? Uh, they both got smartphones. We were going to go flip phones. They refused the flip phones. They were like, no way. So we caved. We got them you know nice iPhones. They each got one. Wait a minute. You wanted to get flip phones. They said no. So you caved and got iPhones? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what parents do. Wow. They cave to their kids constantly. <laughs> <laughs> we set rules oh. and we get walked over. But they they thought the flip phones... I think phone, we have you on the wrong episode. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the flip phones just aren't cool. So they just didn't want to go with flip phones. The big thing is my kids don't have any kind of PlayStation kind of thing. And that drives my 13-year-old crazy. There's no game console in your house at no all. No gaming console in the house. He plays on the phone. My wife lends him her phone because she's got more apps on her phone. So he, he can use that a lot. But he does not have a gaming station and he complains about it constantly and tells me how unfair it is. Well, I'm pretty sure he's the only kid in North America who doesn't have one. Well, at least in maybe upper Northwest DC, that might be true. I think we're like pretty reasonable, maybe a little on the strict side with some of this stuff. My kids think I'm absolutely crazy and a total authoritarian dictator when it comes to this stuff. Still, my kids probably on an average day are doing like at least one to two hours of screen time at home. And then on the weekends, even more than that. And then, of course, when they're done doing screen time, in air quotes, then they're like, okay, now I want to watch TV. Or now I want to do my homework. And they're doing more screen time because they're in front of their screens again. So it's always, you know, it's pretty fungible. Do you know what apps are on your son's phone? 
Uh, he does not have a lot of apps on his phone. Does he have a browser so he can launch his browser? He doesn't have a browser. No browser. No oh, browser? Really? No wow. browser. Yeah. How about... Uh, he complains about that too, by the way. I'm sure. Snapchat. No Snap... Oh, no, no. No Snapchat. Instagram? No Insta. Okay. So, yeah. So, so no ha- Facebook. We don't... So I mean, he's 13. He doesn't need social media at this point okay. in his life. According to me, again, authoritarian dad that I am, I think it's pretty a pretty reasonable standard. A kid whose brain is still, you know, very much evolving, who's very much discovering the world these days as a thirteen-year-old. My daughter too. I don't think they need to be on social media to converse with their friends. So why no game? Why no game console? Why no Xbox or PS4? So my thing about the game console, and this definitely is one of our <laughs> biggest family stresses around this whole issue. But my feeling is that. He's so already prone to wanting to do screen time so often that if I get him another device, I feel like that's just going to tip him over, especially that one that is so compelling. So I just tell him, and he's got, and all his friends have it. So I don't mind when he goes to his friend's house. I know we're going to get to that. But, you know, if he wants to play at his friend's house, he gets plenty of screen time. He gets it on his phone. You know, he's he's doing enough screen time in my view. What are your views about when he goes to a friend's house and it's four hours of PS4? Yeah, that happens all the time. Right, all the time I pick him up from a friend's house. What'd you guys do? Oh, we played, you know, we we gamed. We played on this thing. We played games. We sat in front of the hockey thing for hours, you know, and like, and normally he's all revved up and bouncing off the walls when, you know, when I go to pick him up. You know, again, I want him to have fun. I'm not like anti-fun dad. I try and work things out with him and sometimes with his friend's parents. Like, if, especially if he starts having a lot of play dates with one kid, I'll be like, hey, can we kind of limit the time? Or especially sleepovers are really tough too. You know, they'll be up to 11, 12 o'clock at night on the game. So like he had a sleepover a couple weeks ago and I said, hey, can we try and, you know, turn off the games around nine o'clock at night so he can get some sleep? That seemed like a little bit, ooh, you know, well, I don't know. That was sort of made the parent nervous. So really? Yeah, really. It's For me, it's about limits. It's about setting some limits. So let's dig into that one in particular, right? So Mm -hmm. there was a sleepover. Yeah. Who did you approach, the mom or dad? That was the mom that was just like, when I got there, I said, hey, you know, can we try and put some limits on the time? He had a hard time sleeping. We need to know the phones at night, the blue light. The blue light? Yeah, blue light. Blue light. Yep. Looking at the doctor. Blue light. <laughs> yeah, you know, the blue light can be a real problem. So I just said, you know, if he can turn it off by nine o'clock, that would be good. And, and so how did she react to that? Uh, she was, you know, she was, she was okay. She didn't like throw me out of the house, but she was a little, it seemed, it may, it seemed to make her a little uncomfortable actually. So the part of it you think made her uncomfortable is that you were asking her to like enforce a different rule in her house or the whole discussion or? Well, the oddest thing that I don't totally understand about the whole thing is I know it's hard to enforce rules, but I don't really get parents who say, I can't get my kids off the phone, right? Or my kids, when I, when I, before I got my kids their phones, my son's friend's dad said when he got his son a phone for the first time, that was his worst decision he ever made. And parents act like they have no control over this. And so the kids are just on for five, six hours a day. And I don't understand why you don't set some, you know, some limit. So our kids aren't just mind numbed out all day long. I mean, I want them to be outside. I want them to play sports. I want them to talk every once in a while, maybe, even if they're just talking about Fortnite. Wow, what a thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so even, there were other circumstances. Though. Yeah. So besides that sleepover, there are other times where you mentioned this to parents and you had different reactions. It does seem like it's a little unusual. Like, I guess the parents are, you know, that I'm trying to impose some sort of order. And I guess when the kids are out of the house and I'm trying to extend that to when they're at a play date, you know, somebody else's house. It's, I've never had anybody react totally negatively to me. The kid, again, it's more with 
with my son, he's the one who's like, oh, dad, that's embarrassing. I can't believe you did that. Even when he's on Fortnite in the house and I tell him to get off, oh, dad, you're embarrassing me. You tell me five minutes. It's terrible when you say that. I breathe and I get, dad, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> right. <laughs> that theme comes up a lot. So you don't ask about types of games or what games or you don't. He's on Fortnite, you know. We like the, uh, what was the one before? Minecraft was a little gentler. Yeah, yeah. That, they're they're way beyond that now. Now yeah. it's, yeah, that's, they're really, that's ancient. It really, they yeah. really have moved on to certain games. That but are Minecraft M. was a big, that was a gateway. That was a gateway oh, game, yeah. you know, because I got them a- and all the parents are like, oh, look how creative it is. The thing is, at the end of the day, as we all know, all these games and all the apps and all the devices, they only have one goal. The only goal that all these things have is to make the kids addicted and to make adults addicted. And we are, right? So how do we control that? And how do we bring awareness and intentionality? Like, if you're asking me, you know, you didn't ask me. So go I'm for gonna, it. Go I'm gonna for give it. You, like, that's go my sort of philosophy. Yep. Is like, how do you bring, like, so So I'm in my you know, late 40s. You know, I've, I've had a phone for, what, 10 years, right? These kids are growing up with these devices. So how do we bring awareness and intentionality so that they can choose, so they can be on the phone or not on the phone? Mike, do you have a sense that if you were to not say anything to the parents... And you spoke to your son before he goes on a, to another guy's house or for sleepover that he would be able to self-police, self-regulate based on what you've told him you think are the rules he should be following outside of the house. Uh, he would not be able to self-regulate or he wouldn't yet. But I think, right. the, I mean, I think a lot of parents think, you know, you tell your kid to eat with his fork. You know, you spend we're, years. We're just getting to that. Right, right? You right. spend years <laughs> telling your kid to eat with his fork. And then like one day he eats with his fork. But it took like... It's like training and, you know, it's like I right. say training a pet. It's like training anyone, you know, it takes a long time. So I'm hoping that again, with, with repetitive you know, behavior that he's going to learn. And at some point he's going to be able to say, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll go outside instead of, you know, playing on my game for three hours. But right. so far I know left to his own devices. Yeah, that should be a name. What a good phrase. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Work that one in, product placement. Um, yeah, left to his own devices. He would, he would just go off and, and, you know, spend, again, I know five hours. Right. Six hours playing, you know, screens, whatever. So he would not say to the other kid, you know, uh, we're on the seventh hour here and my dad only lets me. Oh, I'm not sure what the limit is. I right. mean, maybe, I don't know if it gets to seven or eight, you know. Right. But no. four <laughs> hours would be fine. Four or five, yeah. Total, oh, right. yeah, that's that's well within limits. So sometimes he'll come home and say, Dad, we didn't play video games all the time. Like that he does do to me because like he's trying to, you know, tell me, oh, what'd you do? Oh, we didn't play video games all the time. We only played video games for two hours and then, you know. And I do, I actually going back to the parent reaction, the, the other thing I do get, I think a fair amount that I pick up on is parents actually going, oh yeah, yeah, that's instead of arguing with me, oh yeah, yeah, of course, we agree, right? Because some parents, I don't know what their own rules are, but some, I think they want to like come to, to the side of, oh yeah, of course, we totally agree, even though like, I kind of know that their kids play a lot of video games. But right, when right. I suddenly come in, the picture of my kid comes in, then they, they seem to come around, which is, I don't, you know, that's a, that's a good effect if you ask me. But yeah, when they go over to friends' houses, we talk about trust a lot. And I talk to him about that. I don't talk to him about like, you absolutely can or can't do X, Y, or Z. But I say, you know, if you're going to see something or do something, let's just have an open conversation about it. I mean, sneaking, you know, again, he's got devices, you know, and I know that sometimes he's supposed to be doing homework and he's not. Oh, he's, for sure. Yeah, they sit right. there for five hours, you know, why did it take you so much time to do your homework today? Well, because you were flipping back and forth to YouTube and he's, you know, yep. he's old enough now he can, you know, but before I can get over there. Yep. And of course, we'll like kind of try and tiptoe behind him and see what he's doing. But anyway, he does that kind of stuff <laughs> Oh too. God, I thought I was the only one who did that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's smart enough, he knows. But I talked about, you know, trust, about, you know, let's just... And then the punishment. I don't punish him a whole lot either. So I'm not a whole... If you do something wrong, I'm going to take your device away for a week or a month or 
a day. I mean, a couple, you know, if, it, if it's multiple offenses, maybe, but because then I just figure he's, you know, he's still going to work around it. It's sort of like he's going to, you know, he's going to hack around me anyway. So right. I try and take that approach more. One thing that I'm just kind of going to drill down on a little bit, though, because I asked a little while ago about, do you think he can self-regulate and that type of thing? And then you talk about trust. So at first you're saying, I don't think he yet can self-regulate. Where does trust kind of fit into there? If you say, I'm going to trust that you're going to not spend the entire time on Fortnite. <laughs> it's always a bummer again when somebody asks you to be consistent in, 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 in parenting. So in the moment, right, it's really hard. I think that's part of it, right? In the moment, right. especially, I guess, as a preteen or a teenager, yep. I can remember being a teenager and doing a lot of stupid things. Like, that's the part of the brain that's not developed anyway. Right. So, right, for and some kids are a little extra, you know, impulsive could be a word or, you know, have a harder time with that. Yep. I remember my son, you know, when he was little, he never, if we'd tell him to stop at the, you know, stop sign, just cross the street, he would never stop at the stop sign. Like, ever. <laughs> that, that would concern yeah. me. So right. that was, that was a problem. Yeah. So yes. he's, so he's still that kid a little bit, but he's, he's very sweet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he's still alive to this day. At least he was a couple hours ago. So no, I mean, he's, but so in the moment, it's really hard to self-regulate in the moment. It's right. Right. But then later on, can you come back and can you like, step away and can you like, you know, be honest about, you know, that's the thing. Be, okay. be honest. If you did something wrong, be honest about it. I guess what I'm taking away from this is that, I mean, you you are taking a pretty engaged approach, right? It's something that you think about and you have pretty strong feelings. I mean, again, engaged to like being a complete dictator, depending on who you're looking at. But also, and then clo- closing is that you're very comfortable saying no. I feel like not all parents are, but clearly your son doesn't have every app and every game. And so saying no is okay. Yeah, I think, you know, to get along in society, it's all about saying no, putting limits, finding boundaries, all that stuff. And we know from little kids too, little kids like boundaries, right? Little kids want to know where that line is. So Adolescents you know, need boundaries too. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yes. It doesn't stop with little kids. It's the same exact biology in their brain and everything else. Yeah, well, so, so I can, you know, so you, you got to say no sometimes. You got to set some limits and hope then, you know, that is not a battle every day with your kid about, about the screens. But eventually, you know, if you, if you hold your ground, they, they tend to you give a little bit. So you mentioned before that your kids had some very interesting thoughts about you being on this podcast today. Can you elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, I, I wasn't sure I was going to make it actually. Cause I wondered my son, he said, you're doing what you're going on a podcast to talk about. It's like, Again, what do you think he said? It's so embarrassing. He's yep. like, I can't believe you're going to go talk about this stuff. You know, broadcast. So, right, no name. So, right. <laughs> disguise my voice. You have the witness disguising mark. You know how to do that. Right. Right? Yes. Disguising yep. the witness voice. I'll sound like I'm underwater or something. Right. Probably do anyway. <laughs> but yeah, no, they were pretty shocked. They thought it was pretty amazing that I was going to come on and, and talk about all this stuff. And Tony is going to compound the embarrassment factor for them. Well, if so, you think that's sorry, embarrassing, guys. think about our son who has two parents who are hosting the damn thing, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I, yeah, I feel bad for Every him, week, something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on, notwithstanding your son's objections, because um, it's great to get your perspective and hear, hear something different. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you both. It's a pleasure to be here. This episode of Their Own Devices is sponsored by Hover.com. Hover.com is a domain name registry where you can go to purchase your own custom domain name. I went there to finally buy theirowndevices.com, but it is already taken. 
but Hover.com came up with over a hundred different suggestions for other related domain names that would work. And I purchased four of them. There was a huge sale. It was so inexpensive, I couldn't pass. And I ultimately got their own devices.tech, their own devices.website, and their own devices.online, as well as their own devicespodcast.com. Very cool. It was easy to use, great UI, great interface, and now I'm the proud owner of four domain names. Maybe one day I'll be the proud owner of a website too, but that's next. If you want your own custom domain name, check out hover.com slash TOD, and that will give you 10% off your first purchase. Okay, from embarrassing dad to former social media director for a big advertising firm, she used to run social media campaigns for big brands and companies, but now she is the CEO of an entity called the Social Institute, and Laura works with kids and teens trying to help them get the best out of social media. And as you will hear, Laura is a self-described unshakable optimist. You all know me. I am suspicious of anyone who characterizes themselves as an unshakable optimist. So this will be fun. One thing about your bio that jumped out at me is that I think it said you consider yourself, was it a uh, relentless optimist? Yes, uh, an unshakable optimist at heart. Well, that's great. I've been called many things by many people, but unshakable optimist is not one. No, never. (laughs) Well, you know our topic today, and it's, it's one that really parents care about. We've heard about from our listeners, which is, I spend all this time and effort with my family, and I set up rules in our house and for my children, but then they go off to their peers' homes and other people's homes, and all of that seems to unravel. How does a parent approach that? And I know you've given that some thought, so let's hear from you. Sure. So this is a situation that 99% of parents are, are navigating these days where you set high standards for how your child is going to engage on technology and or social media or gaming, but then they leave the house and they are socializing you know, through technology with their friends. And at the end of the day, it's important to communicate your standards, you know, the standards that you have as a family to make sure your child is aware of them because it's not if, but it's really more when they get put into this scenario where they're going to be around friends who want to break you know, your family standards and they have to know what to do in those situations. So when your child hits that age and they're starting to go off to what they used to call play dates, although our son would kill me now if I said play Yes, date. he would. Now hang out. Hanging out. <laughs> yeah. What should a parent think about? How should we approach the situation when we don't know let's say, the other family and what their rules would be? Well, it's, it depends, right, where maybe how, how old your child is. Obviously, as they're getting older, we're equipping them to leave the nest and they're going to be off in college and they have their own standards to live up to when they're not under your roof uh, anymore. But I think as a child, when a child is younger and they're put into some tricky scenarios at a friend's house, the first step is communicating your standards to them. You know, what are your expectations for what they could see what they could play and have access to. But the second major step I recommend is, you know, for the parent to simply open up and talk to the other parent. That first step comes with asking them, you know, 
what's the phone number of the person's house that you're going to and calling that person and asking them, you know, what standards are in place for technology at their house, everything from what, you know, devices, you know, will the kids have access to, you know, will they have access to that into the the late hours, you know, how much screen time is allowed. And then with that information, of course, you can always, you know, talk with your child about what your your expectations are. Yeah. So I'm going to introduce my cynicism. So if it goes south, if the parent, if the other parent's not receptive, how should a parent handle that, Laura? So you can't control the standards of another parent. What you can align on, though, are the standards that you and your family and your, your children, you know, are, are living up to. And so what I think the important conversation maybe to have is rather than simply tell a child, don't play this game, instead of leading with the don'ts, lead with the do's and say, okay, if this were to happen, what could you do? And that is the conversation we're trying to have, you know, with students across the country. Students have shared with us that they constantly, constantly hear the don'ts from adults, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Instead, if we could put, you know, more do's on the table. So, if your son or daughter is at a house and they are exposed to a game or certain content that they, sh- you know, under your roof, you know, would not be allowed to have. There are so many different positive moves that they could make in that situation. I think talking through that with your child is is really important. What might that discussion look like with a kid? There's something we run with the students called social sprints. And what they are, are their social scenarios that a child might be thrown into in these moments, you know, of socializing with friends. And you have to think about what you would positively do. And so if you guys don't mind, we'll we'll run one right now. Okay. So one scenario that we find is is really common. You're at a friend's house and they have a new M-rated video game, right? Which your parents said is not allowed. And your friend kind of turns to you and puts the controller in, you know, next to you and say, all right, do you want to play? You know, what character do you want to be? What would you do in that moment? I'm curious if you all, you know, let's say we're talking about maybe middle school and, and younger. What positively could you do in that moment? As the child or as the parent? As the child. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> Possibly look at the other game options that are available and then suggest an alternative game and say, I'm so psyched to be here and I love gaming. And I know that you have over there, you know, Fortnite or soccer or whatever game. So can we do that one? Because, you know, this is not one that I'd like to play. That's a great move. <laughs> and that's that's one of the three, actually, that high school students have suggested to us is simply like suggest, just suggest playing a different video game. Another is to just be honest. You could, you know, blame it on the parent, but just be honest that that's not allowed, you know, at your house. Or the third is to just suggest another activity altogether that isn't a video game. What we're trying to do here to peel back away from the answers is that rather than only lecturing our kids on don't play this game, don't ever watch content like that at a friend's house, or don't ever use house party or any other new trending app, you know, when you're at a friend's house, instead we're, we're empowering our kids to know what moves they could make in those scenarios to help them make, you know, the right high character choice. David, do you think that is reasonable? I actually think it's more than reasonable. It's kind of funny as I'm hearing this, I am thinking to myself that this is actually a technique that I use 
almost every day with my patients. I would actually take it a step further, you know, two steps further. One is ask them, how would you feel if you decided that you were going to play it, you know, play this game? And a lot of times they'll say, I, I feel bad or I feel guilty or that kind of thing. Well, I find that especially with middle school kids, a lot of, a lot of times they, they need a script. They need a language. And I, what I really talk about with my patients is this is the script. This is what, you know, what can you say to get out of this situation? Well, so that's exactly what I think Laura is saying. Right. But it's, but it's also saying, you know, having them rehearse this, giving them the actual language they can actually rehearse. So in, in the context that I'm usually counseling about, it's usually around drugs or sex or, you know, the classic one is the whole soccer team's over your house after a big game and someone passes around a bottle of vodka that they stole from their dad's liquor cabinet. How do you get out of that in a good way? And kind of giving the language of, I'm an athlete, this is not good for me, you know, or something like that. I do wonder, Laura, you know, just in terms of your thinking about this, you know, you mentioned that, you know, they can say, well, my parents want me to do that. But is that a good answer for, say, 11 or 12 year old where they're, they might lose a little bit, cool. they might lose a little bit of street cred, you know, or if, if they say, well, it's my mom and dad who don't want me to do this, so I'm not going to do it because they can then be challenged with, but they won't find out. No, that's a, a really good point. We, we learned that early on. We've been rolling this work out with students over the last three years and have tested it, you know, and, and run it by over 30,000 students. And wow. one thing that we kept hearing from students is that they kind of like this idea that there's multiple ways that you can approach something. So if you are more of the maybe extrovert, very direct, you know, you have that confidence to say uh, something like that, you know, have at it. But then there's the other personality type, which, which might not want that confrontation or that embarrassment. And in this case, there are a few other positive answers. But I think, again, the big takeaway for a a young you know, child to know is that no matter what situation you're thrown into with technology, although it can seem very negative you know, at times, there are always positive moves that you could make and that there's not just one right answer. There's multiple answers, you know, depending on what your, your personality type is. So let's say that, you know, a kid comes home, tells his parents, this is what was going on. This is something that goes directly against what the parents believe, what the parents want the kids to be doing in terms of exposure to some of this media. What is the parent's next step? Yeah, that's a great question. Let me give you some backstory to my my answer here. Okay. In 2017, there was a study that came out from Penn State University. And the study found that kids want parents' understanding and guidance around technology, but they fear telling them about different situations because they worry that the parents are going to overreact and lose their cool and not let them do, you know, the right. situation again. Right. <laughs> and I, for parents, right. I mean, there is that fear because you were not maybe in those same scenarios growing up that your kids are now in. And so what we recommend to parents is to avoid overreacting and keep your cool and ask a lot of questions and try to understand what your child was feeling in that moment because it's not so black and white right. you know, to, to a child. Have you seen a scenario, how would it play out if a parent calls another parent prior to the child's play date and it's clear there just is a different philosophy around kids and technology between the, the, the parents and how they approach the issue. How would it play out if the parent then says to the kid, like, you can't go there, or is that not how it should play out? 
multiple factors can play into the decision for a parent to allow their child to go to that house or, or not allow them. There's a spectrum of um, standards that that other family might have. Again, I, I believe it's important to proactively you know, talk to your child and say, you know, I, I understand that the house, you know, that you're going over, they might be open to playing video games all day and all night. And, you know, I, I want you to know that we follow different standards. You know, it's not about being in front of a screen, you know, all day. And, and instead, it, it could be doing all these other things. And so if you're you know caught in that situation, here's, again, what, what you could do. And you can always, you know, go over the house. And if you feel like they, did, they weren't receptive to doing anything else other than video games, well, then you could make a a different call, you know, the next time and and not go to the friend's house. Right. Do you have other scenarios or things you walk through on that particular topic? Yes. Another scenario that we hear from the students is, you know, what happens if I'm, you know, I'm at a friend's house and they want to use a certain app that I'm not allowed to, a certain social media app, and in a way that I'm not allowed to, which would be, you know, cyberbullying someone or creating an anonymous account, you know, on Instagram in order to cyberbully another student. And so, again, I'm going to throw it back to you all. If you were in that situation, what would you do if they wanted to use a certain app in a negative way? <laughs> all right, I'm 13 years old. And the pediatrician says, that is so not cool. I mean, really, like, is this, you know, this is not what I want to be doing right, right now. Can't we play Fortnite instead? There you go. You have multiple positives woven into your answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> so bonus points for that. Um, yeah, from, again, when we... We always bounce these scenarios by high school students because we want the answers to be realistic and not feel like they're made up by adults, you know, somewhere in a right. way that you would never say or do. But what we hear from the high school students is, you know, to say something simple like, you know, like, come on, that's not cool. And right. you are not you're not bashing on folks for what their decisions are. You're just standing up and saying, you know, I'm not into that. That's not cool. Any advice for parents that you think, you know, you want parents to know for managing this when their kids are struggling or when they're struggling with this kind of issue? I would recommend to parents to understand that you have all these moments to build trust with them about your family's expectations. They could be in the car ride to school in the morning when you huddle with them. They could be on the weekend. They could be at the family dinner table where you're, you're talking about your expectations and your standards as a family. And I believe all those moments, they add up so that when your child is in a tricky scenario, all those moments um, would have instilled a confidence and a trust to either make the right decision in that moment and or come talk to you, you know, afterwards about it. But it does take time. It maybe takes as much time as these kids are spending on their devices, but I, I believe it's worth it in the long run. You know, social media is one of the greatest influences on a child's social development. And so we have to lean into that as parents, embrace it, but also, you know, equip our kids to use it because it's not going away. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank um, it's you. It's a great perspective. And as David said, that approach of arming kids with the language to use seems like a really positive way to go. So thank you. Thank you. All right, David, let's distill this whole discussion down to a few bullets. It won't shock people that 
I kind of like Mike's approach. Mike is not afraid to say no. He's willing to be the embarrassing dad when he thinks it's in the best interest of his kids. But I think he has a great perspective and I think uh, he's got a great relationship with his children. And so I, I like that conversation. I think he was appropriate. He teed up concerns and kids seem to be doing pretty okay. Yeah, I agree. I think Mike was doing a great job and is doing a great job in terms of the way he's approaching these issues. All right, so let's turn to Laura. Laura comes at it from a very different perspective. Right. So in this situation, what Laura is describing here is great. There are great skills to try and teach. And I think that in theory, this stuff should work. But there's a certain reality that when you're dealing with middle school age kids, for example, they may or may not follow the rules. And even if they were to you know, practice with the social sprints and those types of things, they still, in the heat of the moment, are going to have to make decisions. And these decisions will very often not be those that we train them for and that we practice with them and that kind of thing. So I think the two points that we got from Laura, one are communicate your standards and values to your children. I like that. And I also like the notion of practicing scenarios with our kids and giving them, I think, as you said, like that vocabulary uh, and a way to approach different scenarios. Like, I think that's just good life practice. But I, I will say also, and this isn't going to surprise anyone. Yes, I agree that we want to focus more on do's and less on don'ts around social media technology. The flip side is a smartphone is not a toy, just like a car is not a toy. And I want, as we engage with our kids, to make it clear, this is a tool. It has features and uses that are important for life. Some of those features are games. Some are. But I think Laura would disagree with me when I say Instagram and Snapchat aren't games. That's my view on it. I think we can make it more fun. But, you know, Laura is the optimist. Which you are not, Mark. <laughs> well, I am. But I'm a cynical optimist as opposed to an unshakable optimist. Right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Their Own Devices. This show is a conversation and we'd love to hear from you. Email us at hello at theirowndevicespodcast.com. Their Own Devices is hosted and produced by Mark Roman and David Reitman. The podcast is recorded at Clean Cut Studios in Washington, D.C. This episode was edited by Ryan Dan. Be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It will help other parents find the show and get the info they need. We'll see you next time. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.